Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay, and you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello and welcome to this week's installment of The Wonderful World of Wine. I am co-host Kim Simone here with my partner in wine crime, Mark Lindsay. How are you tonight, Mark? I'm good, Kim. Jeez, we haven't used that uh, partner in wine crime thing in a long (laughs) time. Every once in a while, I like to throw it in there. You know, it's... uh, I, I think it's very <laughs> descriptive and, and and apropos and you coined it. So yeah. I think every yeah. once in a while, we need to throw we, it out there. We try to steer up some wine trouble every once That's in a while. That's right. I call, I call Mark my, my wine buddy. <laughs> yeah. So every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, my wine buddy down in Franklin. That's know? it. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have a lot of wine buddies. People, that uh, is true. We all have a lot of wine buddies. But I would say that in the um, my large group of wine buddies, you are right there. See? You're the, you're the inner circle top, there, top dude. Top 10. I'm, I'm number five on speed dial, at least. <laughs> you know. You're definitely like yeah. textable right there yeah. on my phone. Yes. Well, that's and that's why we can uh, talk to our listeners all day and have so many shows going here that uh, we're always finding content and that's love right. talking wine. And there's always something new and something changing. So as our longtime listeners know, we like to keep up to date with current trends and topics of in the wine world. But sometimes we like to focus on a little bit more of a specific topic during our shows. So most of today's show, we're actually going to be talking about wine in restaurants, which um, for Mark may be slightly uncharted territory because he only goes there to eat and doesn't doesn't necessarily have any uh, work experience in restaurants. And my work experience uh, in restaurants um, is really, it's embarrassingly limited to only one job where I was sort of catapulted to the top without having ever been a server, which I'm still kind of embarrassed about. But But that was a major job, though. It was a major job and I miss it. But anyway. It is nice to be able to understand that, you know, when we talk about wine and we talk about the wine industry and the wine market and where and how you, the general consumer, participates in enjoying wine, it's generally in one of two places. You know, you've either purchased your wine at a retail shop and then have brought it home to enjoy it, or you are dining out at a restaurant. And so we really can't discount the restaurant experience because We know that so many people learn about new wines or experience a new wine for the very, very first time at a restaurant because there is this thing about, you know, it's a little bit, it seems a little bit safer for a lot of people to order a glass of something new at a restaurant and experience a new either style or producer or or grape variety by the glass at a restaurant versus buying a whole bottle of it at a retail store. So we often will hear from importers and distributors that the first 
level of getting the public to understand and appreciate a particular type of wine is through the restaurants. So I think even though Mark and I aren't necessarily directly involved in restaurants anymore, it's still important for us to talk about it and to bring that point of view to you, our listeners, because it it is such an important part of the industry. It's a big thing in the wine world. And unfortunately, with with the COVID and the pandemic hitting, they, they took a big hit. But we're always telling the listeners, giving tips of what we feel they should know what's going on in the restaurants, the trends and how to order and things like that. So we thought we'd hit with a couple of articles today on restaurant uh, trends. That's right. So our first one is about this device that was invented here in Massachusetts about 15 years ago by a medical scientist who used his knowledge of medical devices to develop a wine preservation system. And it's called the Corvin. Now, if you know anything about sort of wine gadgets and wine tchotchkes, you've probably heard of the Corvin. So the Corvin is this device that looks a little bit like one of those rabbit corkscrews. You know, it's it's kind of big and bulky, but it doesn't remove the cork from your bottle of wine. What it does is it inserts a very, very thin needle through the cork and into the bottle of wine, and it extracts a small portion of a few ounces at a time, you are taking a sample of the wine from that bottle, technically without introducing any oxygen to the bottle. So you, what you should be able to do is take tastes of the wine over the course of months, maybe years, and see how that wine is developing if you're doing it in your own private cellar or how it has turned into a restaurant use is that restaurants will use it to offer tastes of wines that are either prohibitively expensive or very hard to come by. And they only have the allocation of maybe a couple bottles a year. And it gives them the opportunity to to provide their guests with something special on their wine list. Like you can purchase a two ounce taste of this very special bottle of wine from, you know, maybe a particular vintage or a particular producer that you wouldn't necessarily want to open the entire bottle of because it might cost you, you know, hundreds or maybe even thousands of dollars. But if you're willing to splurge on that taste, then you get the experience of tasting a wine you might otherwise never, ever be able to taste in your lifetime. Yeah, And this article is when should restaurants use this device? And wine enthusiasts really went in deep on the good points about when it should be used and trying to get feedback from wine consumers. What do they think about it when it's used in the restaurant? And I purchased one probably two years ago, which for me was a long wait because it was a mm. gadget. I, I was going to say, seeing... I'm surprised you only got yeah. one two years ago because well, this has been like the gadget for at been, least the yeah, last decade. Exactly. The gadget. And I think the I gadget. I think I purchased it and had to put it away. And I told my family to give it to me for Christmas or something. And <laughs> I forgot about it. And they it was one of the things I bought. No it way. For, and I told them to give it to me as a gift because it runs, you know, like two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And at the time, one of the wine societies ran a deal and I got it that way. And it's really a nice device. If like you said, Kim, if you just want to draw a little bit out. You insert the needle, 
it then, when you take the wine out, it injects argon gas. It has a little canister, which can add to the cost of the device as well, because you get maybe 20 pours before that little gas tank goes empty. I want to touch on that later a little more too. But I was, when I was learning certain wines, it worked out great for me because I'd have maybe 12 wines and I just take one glass. I didn't have to open up 12 different bottles and worry they would spoil. You could take out just a little bit and it did take a little technique to figure out how to tip it properly to get the actual pour out of it. And the gentleman you mentioned who is local who invented it does some very good web- webinars that I went uh, attended when he shows the proper technique and the whole mm-hmm. research behind it. And he had his actual prototypes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So interesting device. And, and, and when it first came out, I thought I wasn't thinking restaurant because I'm on the retail side, but I'm thinking every salesperson should have this device so they can properly preserve their wine and serve it. And they don't have to open it up and rush around to all their accounts to have people try it. And that's the benefit, like you said, in the restaurant to pour something by the, the glass, an expensive a wine, and it opens up so much that the restaurant can do with it now. They can expand their wine by the glass program because everything basically they have, they could have a, a glass price and sell it. It's interesting well, that you you know bring up your perspective from the retail side of things, because that was exactly my first experience with the Coravin as well. And it was back when I was working retail. So now I'm completely blanking on, you know, how long it's been because it's been a long time. But we saw like the very first iteration of the Coravin when I was at Martin Yeti's in Brighton and the the design of the inventor came as part of a demonstration with one of our distributors to show us how it worked. And you're right. You know, it does take a little bit of a little bit of skill, but, you know, you do it a couple of times and, it, and it's not so bad. It looks a little bit more scary, I yeah. would say, because the first time I use it, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm very, very scared by this device because it's kind of bulky. I think because of because of the needle and the glass and the gas and and those inner workings of it, but it's a very it's very interesting technology and we use it all the time at work. It's been an extremely valuable device for us to use at the wine school because we every once in a while have students that maybe they can't attend a class live but they still would like to taste along with us. So we'll make them a little sample of what the class is going to be tasting, but we don't necessarily want to open that bottle of wine a week and a half before it's going to be served because then we need to open more wine. Like it wouldn't still be tasting the way that we want it to taste after it had already been opened. So it really has allowed us the benefit of being able to expand how we can give wine to our students and how we can use wines to our benefit, both sticking to our budget, but also being able to let students who maybe aren't in the classroom, but are somewhere remotely still taste the exact same wines that we are tasting. The only issue that I've sort of found with them is once you get through half a bottle, if you're still using the Coravin on that, you're inserting so much gas that you're really running through those capsules really, really fast. Yeah. 
Yeah. So when you remove in the liquid, you have to fill that space with the gas. So it, the right. more you take out, the more gas right. you have to put in it. And you had mentioned how it's a bulky. At first, it's kind of intimidating because it's not so bad though. Like once it has you get used to needle, it, needle right? It's not like a syringe needle. It's it's a almost like a hard plastic that you feel like it's not going to go through the capsule. Yeah, and it seems extremely so you, delicate, you, you and they gentle, do break. Yeah. But you really have to do push it through the top. So you stand it like it like grabs the side and pushes down and you really have to use some force and then you have to release a lever and pull it out to get the needle out. So it, it's not something you should be gentle with. You really have to, you know, there's a process behind it. And I think yeah. that's where Juan Enthusiast was saying now, instead of the person at the restaurant, your server coming and going the whole routine with the corkscrew and cutting off the foil and is it a good thing for restaurants if they come to your table with one of these devices to pour you a glass and mm -hmm. do they do that they're probably doing that behind the scenes mm -hmm. but there was good points about it saying you know people should see that that you're taking care how you're serving wines by the glass yeah and i think there are arguments for for both sides honestly for whether you want to incorporate it into table service i would lean towards the side of Yes, let's make this part of the presentation because it's, it's still such a novel thing. I mean, not a lot of restaurants are using, I mean, yeah, not everyday yeah. restaurants. I mean, not at the table, I don't think. Not at and, the table. They could But it's, it it's like, kind of cool because then, yeah. it, you know, it sparks conversation and it's like, oh my God, what's that thing that you're using for my, my wine? And then it can really lead to, I think, some good educational points for the consumer. They compared it to like preparing a Caesar salad at your table. <laughs> I you know, know I saw that in the routine, article. which is a good comparison, right? And and as wine geeks, I think if I was to order a special wine that's a hundred dollars a glass that I know that Corvin, I want to see that they're you want exactly. You still want to yeah. see that bottle, and the fact that you can see that they are literally pulling that wine from that extremely special bottle of wine. I feel like that has power and value. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're in agreement. We we think it's a good thing for the restaurants. Yeah. Now they also said it was a good thing for restaurants because they could serve more large format like magnums or something of wine. I've never used it on a larger size bottle. Have you, Kim? See, I, yeah. And that's the point. I I wouldn't necessarily agree with that for a couple of points. The Number gas one, again? Part of it is the gas. Yeah. And part of it is also, and I'm not sure how it works on Magnums, but I believe that the Coravin, at least the ones that I have used, are made specifically to go on 750 milliliter bottles. They do not work on smaller format. And I've tried it and it doesn't work. Um, like a 375? Like a 375. Because there has to be, I'm trying to figure out in my mind where the difficulties that I've run into are. I think part of it has to do with where the top of the Corvin rests. And it sometimes with some smaller bottles, it can't push the needle all the way through because the bottle and, and the neck of the bottle is so small for yeah, a small size. Bottle. So I can small. imagine it probably does work fine with a Magnum bottle, but I do believe that it was designed for a 750 milliliter. But again, I'm going to go back to that you know issue with the gas. And so I also feel like that, all right, if you're already through like half of the bottle doing these small pours, that's where I would stop. And that's where I stop at work. Like if I've gotten 
halfway through a bottle of wine and I still need to make little samples for people, I'm just going to open the, that bottle. <laughs> like, yeah. Because you you spend more on the gas than you do sometimes on the wine. So, you know, it's a little bit of um, sort of mental money gymnastics, I think, when you're thinking about it from a business perspective and, and what is the value of me using this particular device for my wines. And the article brings this up for what wines should you be using this on? Like, does it make sense for you to use this on a bottle of wine that costs $30 for the restaurant and maybe they're selling it for $100 or, you know, a little bit shy of $100, but how much more money are they going to be spending just to keep up that gas canister in their Corbin? Yeah, they have to weigh the costs of gas versus product. And you don't want to use it for something that's an inexpensive wine because it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make right. sense. And just from a business perspective. Right. But I will say, having been using this device for over a year now, um, and I have now I have one at home and I use it at work. I've tried bottles that we had say Coravin six months before at varying levels of, um, of fill in the bottle, white wines, red wines, and the preservation of those wines is really good. So I'm, I'm very, very pleased by the product itself it really does what it says it, it, that it will do. Like it really will preserve that wine. And, yeah, and I've, I've you know, it's, it's it like nice to, to rely on that. Like if I only pulled a couple of samples from a bottle in July, I know that 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 wine will still taste good now. So it makes me feel good that I can use this device and be able to maximize what I can get out of a bottle of wine. I've always gone back to them after I've cored and, and really it does preserve them perfect. So that what they say and that it does, it it really does. And one of the points that wine enthusiasts talked about came in, I'm not sure when you were at Legals, they had this, but some restaurants have what they call private lockers for mm -hmm. people's wine. So I can rent a, basically a wine storage space from the restaurant and stock it with my own wine. Right. And then when I go there to eat, they go to my locker and get whatever bottle I want that they're storing for me. They're Legals saying, didn't do this, but this is a like this is a, a very like steakhousey kind of things. And I've I've yeah. been to numerous restaurants that do do this, that they have like these private lockers for for some of their more regular guests that they keep their wine there. And I know in town in Contro when they were around, they had the private lockers. So this to me would make great sense. I'm going to my favorite restaurant. I have a, my wine in a locker and I'm just going there for lunch. I just want to take one glass of that cab I have in my locker so they could serve it to me with the Corvin instead of opening a whole bottle and having to be forced to drink it all or waste it. So <laughs> I thought that was a real great point about the locker service and mm -hmm. how that can uh, save you. And over the years, now it's been 10, 15 years that this device is out, they've They've adapted. They've made really expensive one thousands of dollars where it has apps and you can track your inventory, whatever it does, the app. But they also came out with a screw cap. You couldn't use it with a screw cap device right. once you take the cap off. So now they make a cap. When you take the screw cap off, you put their screw cap on. And it has like a insertion point that you can pierce like 50 times. So yeah, if you it's like a, like a mushy 
Yes, it's silicon type Layered. material. Yeah. Have, you, so have you ever used them? Oh, I use them all the time. Like yeah, I literally so, okay. used it yesterday. Um, and it's it's like a multi-layered thing. So there's like one part at the top and then there are multiple ones in between. And then there's one at the bottom that looks almost like a little bit of a, like a styrofoam. But it is meant to break up the um, the ability of oxygen to go obviously in and out of the bottle. It was a and, big and it works really groundbreaker well. for them too, because yeah. now all those wines. So then there was only one category left, and that was bubbly, sparkling, right, sparkling. You, you're never going to with all that pressure, right? So yeah, they I don't know what they're going to do out, about the sparkling. They came. And, you know, out I, with the, I I have to say the, that. the screw cap one is it's not at quite as good of a seal as the regular device that goes through a cork. So, but but also I kind of feel like. Most wines that are being bottled under screw cap. I mean, do you see any wines that are over like two hundred dollars a bottle being bottled by screw cap? Yeah, no. Well, like I'm not sure. I mean, other than just you know needing a couple of weeks to use that bottle, I don't know about the like keeping it around for months in in the restaurant wine locker (laughs) with your screw cap. Like, just open your bottle of Sauvignon Blanc and drink it. They did come out with the sparkling ad- uh, adapter which they did? I, yeah oh yeah that's been out I, we were oh. talking about that before and i, I think it's going to lead to yeah it's going to lead to being able to probably get some high-end sparklings when you go to a restaurant by the See, glass. that would be cool i would totally use that you got to get I, that one you're the bubbly would, queen you should have you should have totally, been all over i did not adapter. know anything about there being a sparkling yeah, wine one that's been all right probably a year now oh i'm gonna least. keep my eyes open for that one and it's as a retailer, it's kind of disappointing to me that the salespeople who are going around to even restaurants or retail, every company should be given a salesperson this device. They shouldn't have to buy this device. They shouldn't have to buy the gas. They should provide it to them. And it would ultimately save them money because most salespeople have to pull a sample bottle if someone wants to try it. They have to go around to how many accounts they go to within a day, within a week. They could actually, with this device, hit more people and show the wines much better with this than if they had to open it and hold it in their car and, you know, it's freezing out one day or it's hot the next day. And I don't know why they don't do it. And at first, a few people were buying them themselves, but maybe because of the gas costs or whatever, they they just, no one's doing it anymore. It's very rare. And, yeah, and, and, thing- and, and I think I think a lot of it comes down to who's footing the cost for something, honestly. Yeah, so, but the, the suppliers or the wineries should gladly be giving these devices to the people to represent ah, see, their products. And that's, the, you know? and that's the rub. Like if a supplier was supplying the salesperson with the, de- with the device so that their cost would therefore stay lower – because I, I kind of feel like it's a situation where, well, why, why does it matter to the wholesaler? Because they're just passing the cost of that sample bottle off to their importer or their supplier. So for the distributor, they're not losing money by sending out their salespeople with the same bottle of wine week after week after week. It doesn't, yeah. th- there's no, it's depletion, but they're not losing any money on it. But yeah. I think you're absolutely right that maybe the importers should be the ones to say, okay, we really would like you to show this bottle of Barolo 
or this bottle of Bordeaux or this bottle of Vouvray that retails for $50, $60 a bottle, but we can't have you open it because it's, you know, going to start going downhill within a couple of days. But if we provide you with the Coravin, then that seems like it would benefit everyone. So the same way with the restaurants. If you, if I'm a a winery, you have my wine on your list and you you want people to consume it in, in peak condition by the glass, I'd say you have to serve it with a Coravin. And, and for that, just like when people, you notice the corkscrews, every winery in the world gives out waiters corkscrew with their name on it, right? With mm-hmm. the winery name. Why not give out a Coravin and have your winery name on it or some sort of advertising on it. So it because shows. it's a hundred times more expensive. <laughs> well, still, you're going to give them, you know, a hundred corkscrews or you're going to give them one Coravin. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I think but that's get- a, yeah, I, I think that it's a definitely a way to look at it that, you know, maybe we should be rethinking how we think about how we present either wines on our side of the industry or how we make it so that every single glass that we pour to a client, to a guest is something special and lives up to what the winemaker wanted from that bottle of wine. And I feel like the Corvin really does that. The other thing I noticed on this device, Kim, and I'm sure you run into it. I don't know how you handle it though, but you have to make sure once that needle's inserted and taken out, you have to kind of blast air through the Thing to get everything out of the, t- the tube, mm-hmm. the needle, and you have to clean the needles and replace them once in a while because they do start growing bacteria. And now you're inserting it from one wine to the next. And so they do break. So you know, do ours, you, ours do you, only lasts for a couple of months, I would say. What do you do? You serve Coravin one bottle. Now you go to the next. Do you run it through water? Do you wipe it down? What, or, or you just insert it into the next? I usually wipe it down. Um, some of the issues that we have found is that you absolutely, if you have a bottle of wine that has a, um, wax seal on the top of it, you absolutely must remove the wax because if you put the Coravin needle through the wax, then you've sort of gunked up your needle because now it has like a little plug of wax in it. So we have to be careful and pay attention to how bottles are capped. So it's like, well, do we, do we remove the capsule? Like, do you want to do that? Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. And it really is sort of amazing to see all the different enclosure type things that different bottles of wine will have on them. And we run into the wax thing all the time. I think because a a lot of, you know, sometimes we do classes that are, We're pulling wines from places that are still doing sort of more of those traditional enclosures. So, you know, we do a lot of things from like Croatia and Armenia and, uh, you know, a lot of places in Eastern Europe. And you often will find, I mean, Portugal too, you'll often find wax on them. So we have to be careful to make sure. Yeah, because of tradition. But you also don't want to gunk up your Coravin. So. I always take the nozzle and I run it under hot water too, because there's a oh, little bit yeah. that builds up in the nozzle that's pouring. Yeah. So I will, I'll, I I'll do like a, like a, like a on my, yeah, to make yeah. sure that it's clear. You get sprayed yeah. a little bit, but yeah, but I run the hot water, then sp- spray it again. So once again, wasting gas, right? So I probably just wasted two pours cleaning it after. I think it was, it's a, 
well worth it for our listeners to seek it out. If you want to preserve your wines, you just want to have a glass every once in a while. You want to start maybe a collection or like Kim was saying earlier on in the show, if you have a whole, an older vintage or something, every once in a while, you just want to taste it, see how it's evolving. It's really great for that. And I can see restaurants hopefully adapting more and coming up with some sort of uh, showmanship or something at the table where it would be good for, I mean, we as geeks approve it for restaurants. So I hope more people do that. Thank you for joining us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find more information about Kim on her website at commonwealthwineschool.com. You can find more information about myself at franklinlickers.com. We're here every week on Franklin Radio, WFPR 102.9 FM. You can find our past episodes on SoundCloud or iTunes. For any questions or comments, if uh, you want to yell at Kim for anything, it's at Facebook or The Wonderful World of Wine. We're also on Twitter at Wine Education, and we're on Instagram, which is fairly new for us. I hope you find us on there. We love posting all sorts of educational things on there. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Bye, bye, bye. Bye.